All right, let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, Mark chapter 10. Um, I want to point out some things in here before we get started on this. Um, as we look at Mark chapter 10, you know, I, I was thinking about some things that are going on right now. It, it just amazes me what's going on in the world right now. Kind of concerning when you see it. And um, I don't know if you saw the footage of the looters where they got picked. They're so brazen now, they, they don't even care if they get the pictures taken. And I can't imagine what I would do if they were going through my stuff. I, don't, I, I just don't know how that would work. And then knowing that you've got a business and it's just being destroyed. And um, so I was thinking about this. What are, what, are, what are we looking for in our life? We already have salvation. We're talking about hope a little bit. And we're going to get into that later. But hope, I like mercy in my life. Um, grace, anything else that you would like? I think of two other words. What are you looking for in your life right now in 2020? Pardon? Joy, that's a good one. I like the word comfort. Don't you like the word comfort? Um, peace. You see that very much anymore? No. Brother Bobby? Unconditional love. All right, I want you to think about, that's what we already have. Okay, so what's the world looking for? They're looking for answers. Um, they're looking for dreams, money, fame. And I, I really feel like, and they're actually, in this situation, they're actually wanting no pain in their life, but they're actually producing pain in their life. And as I was studying this, uh, there's one thing that they need, and that is just basically salvation. Um, I wonder how many of them are doing all this stuff, and then they're going to church on Sunday. Well, that'd, that'd be pretty rough, wouldn't it? Um... I was thinking about this too. I wonder how many of them feel like they get satisfied with what they do. I was saying this. Do you think they ever say, I got enough stuff last night, I don't need to go out tonight? You know, we laugh about it, but that's not the way they think. It's, it's almost like um, us at a buffet table. Amen? Our eyes sometimes are bigger than our belly, and we get more than what we need. And, and here you got these people, and what they're, what they're basing their whole life on, <clears throat> even the things that people are taking, is stuff. And there's no satisfaction in stuff. I mean, everybody in this room has some nice stuff. But what happens to stuff? All right, think about this. Your phone that you have, how long does it take to get outdated? Anybody got a flip phone in here? Somebody does have a flip phone. You don't have a flip phone? I'd be very careful. My father-in-law's Green Beret, and he has a flip phone, okay? All right, okay, I see who's got a flip phone. I just saw them going, shh. But you know what happens when you buy your phone? It's already outdated. You've bought a new car. Guess what? When you drive it off the parking lot, you lost some money driving it off the parking lot. You know, we think stuff is going to, to help us. They think stuff is going to help them. But there's a story in this, in this portion of Scripture in, in Mark chapter 10 that this guy had all the stuff, but he didn't have peace. You hear, you hear Bobby saying, a peace, what, what was your word? Unconditional love and a peace that passes all understanding, all those things. We have that. 
We have that salvation. We have that Holy Spirit convicting us of what we're doing. But these people right now that we're seeing in the world, it's a pretty rough crowd right now. And all they think of is their stuff. They think, well, it's it's the the advantage that I was talking about when it comes to the um, Good Samaritan as the aspect of what the robbers did. What is yours is mine. I'm going to take it. Now, the problem with most of us is we're not that person. But we might be the Pharisee and we might be the scribes that are going by and they're seeing it and saying, what's mine is mine, I'm going to keep it. What we need to get is we need to get back to the, um, what the Good Samaritan was. What is mine, I'm going to give it. And what is mine is thine, I'm going to give it. So we've got to get back to understanding what's going on. So here comes Mark chapter 10. And we think, people think that stuff is going to make them happy. I remember thinking, if I only had this, I mean, I was, my mom and dad, we always got the last, we got it when it was going out of style, not when it was coming in style. I remember when the Atari systems came out. I'm probably dating myself. Russ, do you remember when the Atari stuff came out? I remember back in the 80s, Atari stuff came out, and they had those really neat graphics called Space Invaders and Asteroids and all these other things. I remember I'd go over to my, my neighbor's house, and they'd have one, and they could play real well, and they'd say, let's play a game. And, and he would sit down, and it literally would take him an hour and a half to play his game. Then he'd say, okay, it's your turn. And Bernard, I'd get up, and it'd la- I'd last for about 20 seconds. And he'd say, okay, it's back to my turn. I was like, this is not fun to watch. We didn't get things till they were going out. And so stuff, if you just think about some of the stuff that we had, that's what people are thinking they can get, and they can just everything's going to be better if they get stuff. So look at Mark chapter 10, and I want you to come, come with me in verse number 23. And here he's going to tell the story. Uh, uh, he's talked to a man, but verse number 23, it says this, And Jesus looked round about, saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they, have that, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and saith unto him, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? And then in verse number 25, he's going to give you an illustration. Now again, I've used this illustration before for sake of time. I'll go through it real quick and understand it. He's going to talk about the eye of the needle. You know, people think that that's the eye of the needle is really referring to a needle. Now, You can't put a camel, I don't care what kind of food processor you've got, you can't put a camel through the eye of a needle. I don't care how much you smash them up. And if you could, can you imagine how long it would take? That's not what he's referring to. All the disciples knew what he was talking about. And he's telling this story, and he says this in verse number 25, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Just for sake of time, let me explain what that means. That's a gate in a city in biblical times that they did not want the horses and and camels to go through. It was made just for a person. So a person would go through, but if they had to bring a caravan or they had to bring an animal, they had to go through the main gate and they would go through. Now the camel can go through that eye of the needle, but what you have to do is you have to get it all for and drag it through. I don't know if you've ever studied camels. They're not the nicest animal. They're very similar to a donkey. And what is a donkey known for? Being stubborn. So he's saying, listen, they can get through it, but it takes a big effort for them to get through it. Every one of the disciples knew what what they were talking about. 
And so keep reading in, in verse number 26. And verse 26 says this. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? You know, I think the disciples were so wrapped up on these people that had money that they didn't even see the widow that brought the mite in. They were so wrapped up about who brought what, and they were all about prestige. And he's trying to teach them, listen, it's not about the stuff. It's about the heart. And so when we go back to that list, I say, that, that, we, that we mentioned, think about these things. Um, think about having grace, comfort, peace. That's something that God gives you. Something that's eternal rather than something that's temporal. And so he gets in there and he starts talking about this. Look, it looks in, in verse number up to 20, 26, the disciples, here's what I see. It looks hopeless. Well, who can get saved at this point? Who, how's this salvation going to work? There's some other words. I would, it, it's useless. There's, it's futile. I can't, get, I can't do this. I can't do this. It's pointless to even try. He says that statement in verse number 26. He says, listen, who then can be saved? Question mark. What has salvation done for you? If I were to ask you this simple question, what's salvation done for you? Anybody? What's salvation done for you? Because that list that you just gave me, that list is there for you to take if you have salvation. Hope. A love. The peace. If I were to ask you, what would you say? Somebody just tell me, what, what's salvation done for you? What? Freedom. It's funny because we sometimes think, if you were to ask an unsaved person what salvation is, they'd say it's not freedom. You're trusting in something that's going to hold you down. No, it opens up a whole new world. It, it gives me hope when I have no hope. It makes it from hopeless to hope. From futile to something that I can have something. So what's another thing salvation's done for you? It changed your life. I, I just think of that word, Wayne, peace. There's something about peace. For the service, I, I, I think um, Mrs. Moody, did, I don't know if she likes answering my questions, but I have a lot of questions for her every time. I've got like a list I need to ask her of what, what needs to go on with this surgery. And I was asking her some things. And, and you know, some questions are just really weird. I know she looks at me and goes, that's just a really weird question. Because I asked her, I said, can you feel the things in your heart right now? And she goes, no. Well, I want to know that, you know. Uh, um, I ask her how long everything takes to get the healing process. But you know, in all actuality, Bernard, the hope is not in the mechanism, and it's not in the doctor, it's in, God, it's in God. And that hope is salvation. God can do whatever He wants. But I'm okay with it. Because there's hope in that, and that hope is in salvation with some, when something happens. I have a little thing on my phone that, that tracks how many days things are until this happens or... You know, I, 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 you might think this is funny, but I have it where I can tell you when my next vacation is. You know, it's three, 200 and some days. You know, I'm like, wow, that's, that's nice. But there's one at the very bottom that what it does is it shows you in the past what's happened. The one that I only keep on there in the past shows me how long ago it was since my mother passed away. A little 14, 14 years, nine months. She passed away. It seems just like yesterday. And I think the hope that I have in her walking on the streets of gold is based on the salvation that she has through Christ and Christ alone. And so we've got to understand what salvation does. What's some, something salvation has done for you? 
Yes. A personal relationship. He walks with you. He talks with you. You know, um, I asked my wife, I said, should I talk to myself sometimes? She said, probably not in front of people, okay? Because when, when you start talking to the Lord, sometimes it looks like you're talking to yourself. Have you ever thought about that? You know, I started talking, and, and, and there's a shirt that I like, and it says, sure, I talk to myself. I want some sound advice. Amen? But we've got to get back to understanding that Jesus walks with you. He helps you along the way. He's your strength. He, it's not hopeless anymore. It's not useless anymore. It's not pointless anymore. You have a desire. God gives this to you. But then along comes verse number 27. And sometimes this verse is all misquoted and taken out of context. And I love verse number 27 in Mark chapter 10. If you're underlining anything, I'd underline four words in this verse. In verse number 27 it says, After they asked that question, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looking upon them saith, With men it is impossible. If you're trying to get stuff with stuff and you're trying to get everything in there and you're saying everything, if I just had all this stuff, if I had all this money, if I had all this fame, everything would be okay. I'm telling you, it's a useless life. But if you look at this, it says, listen, there's nothing that you can do, but look at the next four words. But not with God. See, we sometimes look at the last part, for with God all things are possible. I love that part of the verse. But Wayne, I really like the part that says, but not with God. Not with God. What story brought this passage apart? When you think about all these things as Jesus is saying, and it says, and Jesus looking upon them saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Tell me one thing God can't do, and I know He can't lie, and I know He can't sin. But if you really think about what He created, it's amazing to me. You know, I think of the animal kingdom. I don't know what that thing was called. Daniel and, and I and Teresa, we saw something on the building over here. I don't even know what it was. He found out what it was. Daniel can find out anything on the internet. But it literally looked like a, a, a worm inside of a pine needle. I was like, what is that? And I, I thought it actually was one stuck inside. I wanted to pull it apart. I'm glad I didn't because it's actually hooked to it. I didn't know what it was. I had never seen one before. You know, you think about how God created the animal kingdom. Aren't you glad that you weren't the creator? Because we're, we're not as defined as who God is. I mean, if I, if I say one word, I'm going to say an animal. You tell me what you think of. A giraffe. What do you think of? A neck. Tall. All right? Um, if I were to say skunk, what would you think of? Stink. If I were to say rabbit, what would you think of? Hop. All right. If I were to say porcupine, what would you think of? Needles. I mean, you think about all these different things, and it's because God has a creation that is amazing. And with God, all things are possible. You know, I don't know why he made certain animals. A groundhog. Why did God make a groundhog? Oh, it does destroy things. If you've got a garden, do you like groundhogs? No. And chipmunks, I know they're cute, but they'll destroy things. I think it's funny when my dogs try to chase one, they think those things can run so fast. I know they're running for their life, but, you know, they're just running. The dogs are chasing as fast as they can. And they're going all over, and, 
And I just think, man, God made all these different animals because with God, nothing is impossible. Never forget, we went to a place. How many of you have been through one of those places where you drive through and you feed the animals out of your car? Anybody been to one of those? They used to have a bunch of emus and they have zebras and all these other things. So I remember one time, I, I thought it was going to be funny, I had a water buffalo came up to me and I started feeding the water buffalo. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to see what he can do. And I poured a bunch of food in his mouth and a couple of them went down his nose and I thought that was funny. I was like, <laughs> until he went all over me. That wasn't funny anymore. And then I remember my sister, um, you know those locks on your windows you can do? She was sitting right beside me, TK was, and, and she had a bucket of, of food and she was feeding the emus. And emus are scary when they look at you. They got the red eyes and they're looking at you like they're going to kill you. And, uh, and I remember sitting there going, and I, I pushed that button that locked her window down. And she's like, look, this thing's scaring me. And I was like, that's okay. When she wasn't looking, I took a bunch of food and just threw it in her lap. That emu started going, and just tacking her legs. Get out of here, get out of here. I said, there's no way I'm leaving. I'm, I'm watching this. You ever been in a situation, you think, man, God created everything neat, didn't he? He knew exactly what he was doing. And I'm so thankful that God's that way, but that little statement in it says, but not with God. What brought this story about? Well, let's go back and let's see this. And I want you to go to Matthew chapter 10. I had to flip the page back, but I want to start in the, in the first part of, part of this um, story. How did we get to this point in this story? Well, in Mark chapter 10, the first thing deals with husband and wife, and they're trying to trick him, trying to tempt him in verse number 2. And then they talk about a young child. They're bringing a young child to him, and, and, and they're trying to get the young children away. And he says, listen, don't take the young children away. And then in verse number 17, the story kicks in. And here comes a man in verse number 17, and it says this, it's a rich young ruler. Everybody knows it as that. But look at verse number 17. It says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit, may inherit eternal life? Verse number 18, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one that is God. Verse number 19, Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and the mother. It's interesting when Jesus is talking to him that he only mentions the ones that have to do with people. He doesn't mention the first four that have to deal with God because it was something people would be able to see rather than have you ever had another idol? Have you taken the Lord's name in vain? All these other ones. So he says this, and he says in verse number 20, it says, And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he, had, he was sad at the saying and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. There's that stuff, stuff that people have. Verse number 23, And Jesus looked round about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they have they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And, his, and the disciples were astonished at his word, but Jesus answereth again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? You know, he's tell, and then he goes into the eye of the needle. I want to I point out three things that he had a difficulty with. 
And if you're underlining anything in your, word, in your Bible, I want you to take your pen and I want you to underline seven words in this portion of Scripture. There are two words together and the last one has three words together. And I'm going to give you some difficulties that we have in our life. And I want to point these out and then we'll be done. You know, the first thing he had, he had a difficulty in seeing his need. Now go back to the verse where we start in verse number 17. Watch what happens. And he says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I, that I may inherit in eternal life? See, the problem was is there's two words in here that don't make any sense about salvation. Look at these two words, I do. This is his difficulty. He, he, he had a difficulty in, in seeing his need. And so circle those two words, I do. The first one is his difficulty in seeing his need. He, he thinks, good master, what shall I do? There's nothing that you can do for salvation other than accept it. Aren't you thankful that it doesn't take works to get to salvation? We had a sweet Vietnamese lady that cut our hair out in California. We just met, somehow we just met her. We went to that place, got our hair cut. And I'll never forget, she found out we, were, we worked in a, in a church. She, start, she started to ask us questions. I'm not going to tell you which religion she was in, but it was one that was very prominent in, in, in Vietnam. And she told us the story about her father. Her father had died, and you'll figure out what, what denomination is with this whole story. But her father had died, and this man came from the church and said, if you give us X amount of dollars, we'll pray him into heaven. That appalls me. Because with that statement, you're saying Jesus didn't have to die. He didn't have to rise again. And I wonder how many times he changed that amount when he'd go visit different people. Think about that. Randy, if, if, he, if he went to some person's house, he might say, hey, they have more money. I don't think he had just a rounded amount where he said this is what it is. It's not the going rate. I wonder if he changed it depending on what kind of house they lived in. To her, her dad never got to go to heaven because they didn't have the money to pay for it. You'll never hear this preacher, you'll never hear anybody that preaches from this pulpit say that to anybody. Because that's not what salvation's all about. And I don't know how long ago it was that her father died, but it, she still carried it. She still carried that thought process that someone said to her. See, when he looks at this, he says, what can I do? There's nothing you can do. The difficulty is with him. He didn't see what he could do. Look, look at that verse again, verse number 17. Verse number 17 says this, it says, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And I think it's interesting, the first two words he says to him is good master. Almost buttering him up. And how did Jesus respond to the answer? He responded by saying, There is none righteous, there's none good, no, not one. But, but, but God himself in verse number 18. So the first question is this. He had, the first statement is he had a difficulty in seeing his need. I do. He, the second thing he had, he had a difficulty in seeing his sins. 
Go to verse number um, 18. It says this, it says, And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. And he answered and said unto him. Now these are the two words you need to circle in verse number 20. Master, all these have, what's the next two words? I observed, I observed from my youth. Is there anybody in here that can say that? Isn't that appalling too? You know, thinking that he can do something for salvation, and on the other side of it, he said he's done everything. Well, if he's done all this, why is he asking Jesus how to get eternal life? Think that through. If he's done all these things, and he's worked his way through, and then he thinks he can work more to get it, it's not there. It's a difficulty that he has. And the world has these difficulties. The first one the world has, they have a difficulty in understanding that they have a need. Stuff is not the need. Then the next one, in seeing his sins, I observe these things. I like how Paul writes it. You know, I'm the chiefest among sinners. You know, the things that I'm supposed to do, I don't do. The things I should, should do, I, I don't do. And the things that I shouldn't do, I do. Probably the best Christian to walk the face of the earth other than Jesus himself. And here he's sitting there. He, he, had a, he, he didn't understand his problem was sin. Why did he not sell his stuff? I think there's a verse we can go into Proverbs. What was the first thing God says he doesn't like? A proud look. I wonder how many times in the last 2,000 some years that he's thought about the answer that he made to Jesus. Because he split hell wide open unless he didn't change his course. I wonder how many times he thinks about seeing Jesus. And people say, well, if I would have just saw Jesus, I would have been different. Now it's called faith that we have in the New Testament. He wants us to show that we have that faith. And the difficulty that this guy had, number one, as we go through it, the first difficulty he had was his need. The second one was his sin. I observed. I've done all those things. Anybody in this room say that? Let's just say this. How many of you have, have, have abided by all, let's not say ten commandments, but nine of them? I mean, I've observed them since my youth. Now, that's an interesting statement, too. Because most youth sin more than all adults do, right? Anybody a little bit wilder when you were younger? Don't raise your hand and tell me you were, but I'm sure some of you were rascals when you were younger. And here it says, since my youth I did this. I wonder how he made his money. You got the book of Matthew and he was what? A tax collector. Well, you know the story of Zacchaeus. You think, hey, Zacchaeus was convicted when Jesus saw him in a tree. He knew, he knew what something was up. And he, and he made sure he was going to settle this. So the first one is he had a difficulty in seeing his need. Second one, he had a difficulty in seeing his sins. And let's look at the third one. Keep reading in this. And it says in verse number 21, it says, Then Jesus beholding him loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. Now, don't read into this and say, hey, Jesus is saying you have to sell everything to go to heaven. That's what he's doing. He's trying to get this man to understand his aspect that he had wrong. And he was sad at the saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. Now watch verse number 23. And Jesus looked around about and saith unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches 
enter into the kingdom of God. And verse number 24 is going to give you the third, the third thing that, he, that people have a difficulty with. Verse number 24 says this, And the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answereth again and said unto them, Children, how hard is it for them, look at this, that trust in. Now here he says that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. There's a lot of people in this day and age right now that think they've done a lot of good and the, if they've done more good than bad, they're going to get to heaven. And God never did it that way. I am so thankful he didn't do it that way. Right? Anybody here ever had a sin in your life? Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that you, that God takes away your sins? Okay, I've got Russ and he's the only one that's amen in me, but aren't you thankful that God takes away your sin? Me and Russ, we've got, we've got a thing going right here, amen? We, we, we've done some things wrong. I know all you other people are a lot better than us, but I'm telling you, right now we've got to be thankful that God takes away our sins. There we go, we're alive again, all right. God takes away our sins. And see, he says that trust in. Now, you can put whatever you want about it, but in this story, it's in riches is what it is. It's in stuff. Whatever happened to the stuff that guy had? It's long gone now. His kids took it when he died, and guess what? Separated amongst all the kids, however many kids he had or however they did it. That stuff doesn't mean anything right now. But there's a verse in this story that I think shows you Jesus' heart. And I want you to see it. The three difficulties that we have. The first one is the difficulty that people have in seeing their need, their sins. And the last one, in trusting Christ and Christ alone. We can't add to it. Been watching some things on... I find things very interesting when I, when I watch YouTube. I'll put Baptist in there and then I was reading this story and or watching the story of a man that used to be a Baptist and now he's not. I don't know what he is. He was a preacher. But I was listening to his story and he has enough Bible to be dangerous. He seems like they, they, they talk about how much of a scholar he is. But through listening to him, I found out what he believed salvation was based upon. It's based upon baptism. I, I, I was just, I'm talking to my telephone no one's watching me, okay, I'm fine with that. I'm talking to my telephone and, and I just want to say, hey, what about the man on the cross that didn't get baptized? Was Jesus lying at that point? Because baptism won't save you. That's a works. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that we do to show that we are trusting in Christ and Christ alone. But you know what I liked about this story? There's a verse I've already read. And this shows you Jesus' love. It, it, it illustrates John 3.16 in a different fashion. Jesus was not like us. You ever been there where you, you try to witness to somebody and just go, I just wish you'd get it. Do you not understand what God's done for you? That's not how Jesus did this. Here's God himself. Watch this verse. And I read it, read it real quick. But I want to see if you see it. Here this man comes up to him. He tells him what to do. 
And it says in verse number 20, after he's answered and he's lied to Jesus, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Watch how verse number 21 starts. I love this verse. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Just loved him. What's amazing about that, Brother Moody? That is verse number what? 21? How many of you believe that Jesus knows everything that's going to happen? Past, present, future. How many of you believe that? How many of you believe that Jesus loves everybody? I do. I think Jesus died for everybody and didn't die for just certain people. Everybody has that opportunity. If they want to accept him, they can. But that's on them. But even when this man answered the wrong way, lied to him, Bernard, he still looks back and he says, listen, I love, I love this man. See this verse? Look at this verse. In verse number 21, it shows you that Jesus loves them. But Jesus loved this man even knowing what verse number 22 was about to write about. Let's read verse number 22. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. Jesus loved him even though he knew he wasn't going to do what's right. Now, I don't know if he got saved later. I don't know that. But I do know one thing, that Jesus sure does love us. I also know that there's difficulties that people have. The difficulty is, is seeing his, his need, their need that they have. Their sins and only trusting in Christ. Those three things are what people have an aspect, a bad aspect about. They have a bad problem with this. But you know what? As, as Christians in here, I don't have a problem with, with me having a need. What's the, what do we come on Wednesday night for anyway? Share needs. Just a second, Brother Birch is going to come up here and he's going to have prayer requests. And you know what? Those are all about needs that we have. Now, I'd rather have, I'd rather have 50 people or 60 people um, praying for me than just keeping that need by myself and bearing it alone. Aren't you thankful for that? Can you imagine? When they go home and they take all their stuff and they get, loot all these things, they take people, they break things, and they go back to their house, you think there's peace in that? I get angered by what I see. I wonder what Jesus thinks of the whole thing. I don't have a problem with understanding I have a need. I don't have a problem understanding my sins. I battle with the flesh all the time. So do you. I battle with um, other things as you go through. I was reading a story today about a guy that bought a, a chess at, uh, a dresser at a yard sale. And he, could, he kept hearing noises in it. He couldn't figure out what it was. Now, you know, it's one of those stories you've got to keep reading and keep reading and keep reading until you get to it. And what had happened was there was a bottom drawer that no one knew was there. And he bought this thing. They had it for $300. He bought it for $100. And when, he, when they figured out there was an extra drawer, the auctioneer came over and he looked and he saw the extra drawer. And when they opened the extra do, do, drawer, it was at the very bottom, which you wouldn't think. It was kind of hid there. They opened it up and it had over $20,000 worth of stuff in it. It also dated the, the cabinet even later than it was. It was pre-Civil War. And I'll never forget this because I was thinking, I wonder if I would do that. He, he went to the guy that owned it and went to the family, and he said this. He said, listen, he said, I bought this dresser. I did not buy that was in the contents. 
When I, was, when I was reading that, I was going, I wonder what I would do. That'd sure be nice to have $20,000, wouldn't it? You say, well, I know what I would do, and you're a better man than I am. Because I would weigh it out, and, and I thought, he goes back and he gives it all back to him. We battle with the flesh, don't we? Aren't you thankful that Jesus still loves us? If he loved the guy that didn't convert at this story, do you not think he loves the ones that convert? When they realize that there's nothing that we can do, it's everything that God does. So we look at these people, we see what these people are doing in America. You can almost feel the hatred. Why is that? Because that's all they got. And how can you enjoy something that you've stolen? How can you enjoy something that you've got out of hatred and malice? You think they go home and they take all those cell phones they stole and think, man, everything's going to be great today. I can call everybody. The way these people are thinking, it's not the right way. One lady could, I was reading an article, and one lady couldn't figure out why she was being arrested. Because she stole something, then she was selling it on Facebook. And we look at it and we laugh and we, we chuckle about it, but they have nothing. They don't have the Lord. I would hope they don't have the Lord. Because when I go back to my question, I ask you, what does salvation give you? It gives you hope, peace, love, unconditional love. Bobby, that's, that's amazing to have. Peace that passes all understanding. And you go through this whole list, grace, comfort, mercy, hope. And you know what? I'm so thankful that we get that through Christ. We can't expect them to act different than to act like us if they're not like us. And I'm talking about any nationality. I'm just talking about everybody that is trying to get stuff. And what's the stuff doing? This man had all the stuff that he needed. And it didn't make a difference in his life. Lord, I thank you for the hope we have in that salvation. I, I thank you for the ability to understand our difficulty is not in our sin, our need for you, and salvation through you and you alone. I'm thankful that you, you love us despite our faults and you care for us. Lord, I thank you for the ability to, to save, save me and the Holy Spirit indwell me and have the peace that passes all understanding. I don't know what's around the corner. I don't know what's around the corner for me. I don't know what's around the corner for people in this room. But I do know one thing, that you're going to walk with us and you're going to talk with us. As, as Lindsay said, you're there with us. And thank you for that. Thank you for the love that you show us. Thank you for the concern that you show us. And thank you for the comfort that comes along the way. Lord, may we be thankful for the salvation that you give us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before Brother Birch is going to come on up here, but I want to ask you, just one person, tell me, I'm going to get two people, tell me what salvation's done for you lately. I'm not talking about the last 10 years. Come on up here, Brother Birch. Anybody else? Man, you guys are quiet. Anybody? We're not, yes.